Thanks for joining us for another episode of Real Talk LEL. I don't want to waste too much time. I just want to get, um, I want to jump right into this topic. Um, getting up when you fall. It's a, a common thing, I would say, internally within, uh, within the police agencies that when we don't get certain things that we want within the agency, um, I consider that as as falling. That's kind of what the focus is. So policing as a whole is different than most other industries in the sense that majority of the police departments within the country are, are relatively small um, or medium size. So the ability to move within the agency isn't always the easiest to do. And that's that's kind of where this is going. I was talking to a buddy of mine who um, who works for like a major corporation and the we were having a discussion about where his career is going to go and um, pretty much the possibilities are endless where he doesn't know where his career will stop. And that's very different than uh, the police side, the life of a police officer. I know where I'm going to go in my career, um, but I know the potential places that I'm going to go in my career. So there's not too many movements because of the size of, of agencies. And unless you're working for a, a major uh, metropolitan type police department, you're not going to, there's not going to be that much movement. So the point being is when a position becomes available for some type of lateral transfer, you have a tendency to uh, try to grab it. And if you don't get it, it's, it's that much more disheartening because again, there's not that much available out there to you. When you don't get it, obviously you have a, a response or a, a negative outlook on the agency as a whole. So just for an example, you know, if, if 20 people put in for a, a specific position, only one of them is going to get it, obviously. So now you're going to create a morale problem within your agency because 19 people are just pissed off. Um, and I think we lose, we as like officers lose sight of the um, objective of what the bosses are, are looking at. They're looking at the best candidate for the department, not necessarily anything else. They just need to do what's best for the department. And the 19 other people don't see it that way. They see as though they are the most important person for the department or for that position. And when they don't get it, they're like shutting down. And we hear it all, you know, you hear it all the time. Like, well, screw this place, screw that place. I'm not, I'm not going to do what, you know, my thing. And rather than look at it like that, we should be looking at it saying, all right, what do I need to do make, to make myself better? Um, a police department is no different than any other business. As an employee, you must market yourself. Um, you have to put yourself above the rest. And rather than becoming um, so angry about not getting the position, you should embrace it. Allow it to fuel you. Build your desire and, and push harder to make yourself go higher. If you didn't get it this this time around, there's a reason for it. And you have the responsibility as an employee to do better next time and market yourself in a better position. A lot of us listen to motivational speakers like the real powerful ones, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, Jocko, Goggins, Rogan, stuff like that. And they're constantly pre preaching those words. You got to embrace it. You got to absorb it. Apply it to uh, apply it to your work ethic, and if you're not willing to do that, then why why are you listening? You know why are you? They're just words. They're they're not uh, important. So, Dad, there's obviously in the the length of your career, you've fallen a few times, right? Yeah. Um, haven't gotten gotten things that you wanted, and one of the prime examples is so our agencies, like I said, media media size and the the sense of police departments and we have a, a SWAT team that's a, a pretty um, sought after position or, or, and it's hard to get in there. And that, that was a prime example of going out there, testing yourself, um, being tested and trying to get onto the SWAT team. Like you are your, you are responsible for your fate in that position, right? So back however many years ago, that was maybe 20 years ago at this point, um, you had tried out for the SWAT team uh, a couple of times and it was how many times until you got on or 
I think it was twice. Twice until you got, were able to actually get on. So you failed twice or you failed once? Once. So what do you, if you remember, I know it was years and years ago, but what, ha- like, what were the emotions and the feelings that you had right after that? Well, obviously the first thing is anger. You're mad at yourself. You're mad at the people who made it in front of you and not because of a personal thing that you don't like that individual person, but it's just the natural feeling is to blame somebody. And if you don't blame somebody, you have to blame yourself and nobody wants to blame themselves. So I, I guess that's the natural progression. You know, you blame somebody else for your mistakes and then you have the acceptance and all the other phases and all the other stuff. But it starts with you not accepting responsibility for your failure. I'm going to go back a little bit further. I actually didn't get hired as a police officer my first time around and I failed my psychological exam. And the funny thing about failing my psychological exam was I already had taken a psychological exam to become a class one special officer. And I was in that position for about four years. And then I went back to take um, the psych exam for full time. I failed. And the results said that I was a perfectionist, that I wouldn't be able to objectively make a decision. I would be making all my decisions subjectively. And it was very bizarre to me. And it was even so bizarre that the chief at the time, he didn't agree with it, but that was kind of the policy. If you failed your psych test, you didn't continue on. And, you know, credit to him. He's like, Chris, you know, I don't, necessarily agree with these results i've known you for four years and i know your family i know your wife i know everybody and this just isn't a accurate depiction of you so if you take your case you know you hire an attorney and you fight this and you win he goes i will absolutely hire you He goes, i don't think it's fair he goes but that's our standard and i was very quiet about it i didn't make a big stink i didn't go running around saying that the psychiatrist was a knucklehead i didn't say the department was out to get me i didn't say anything i was quiet i hired an attorney i did what i had to do i went and i took a second psych exam passed it no issues at all and i think six months later i was hired with the department you know i went through the whole process again and i was hired and my start date uh, dated back six months. So I didn't really lose any time, which um, was fantastic. And, you know, the, the moral of the story is you're going to have ups and downs in your career. You're going to have ups and downs in your life. And what you have to do is you just have to roll with the punches. You can't let it consume you and take you to a place that you're just going to become angry and upset and mad at the world for the mistakes that you've made. Now, I could sit here and say the psychiatrist um, was too old. Uh, he shouldn't have been still practicing medicine and or uh, any of this stuff. But, you know, because I know who I am and I know I'm not a person of concern when it comes to that um, type of testing. I just had to go with what happened and just correct it. And I could have just rolled over and said, you know what? So be it. I'm not going to be a cop now. I'm just going to move on because this department's a mess or this, this is a mess or that's a mess. And I, but I didn't. And I moved on and I got hired. And my career, I went from being a patrolman to a shift investigator, which is a uniform detective, I guess, to a sergeant, to a lieutenant and also a SWAT team leader. And I held a lot of positions that put me at the utmost trust of the department. You know, I was in internal affairs, I was in training, I was in uh, the hiring process, running shifts, the whole nine yards. If I would have just rolled over and let it beat me, I, I probably wouldn't even be a cop today. So The natural reaction, I, I see it all the time and I am 100% uh, guilty of it. 
like as soon as you don't get something your own way, you immediately start pushing it all out, outward. And like this person is is connected or uh, this guy got it because of a, a job he just uh, did that was that was fresh on the minds of whatever. Um, but we always we constantly make excuses. And rather than making excuses, take a step back and like just kind of embrace it. And the one mistake that we always make, we're all guilty of it, is we run our mouths. Yep. <laughs> Every one of us just run our mouths. Just take a second and shut up. And uh, I, I I say this all the time. This is like one of my one of my things. Like you should have one or two go-to people in your life, whether they be cops or family or whatever, that you feel you can have a conversation with and know that they're not going to go back. There's nothing wrong with bitching because there's nothing wrong with venting. Venting and bitching are the exact same thing, in my opinion. Everyone does it from the bottom to the top. And you need that. That's what's, uh, in my opinion, is which leads to a healthy career. Because you got to get it off your chest, right? You can't keep that bottled up. What's what's making you mad? What's pissing you off? So people go about it wrong, at least in my opinion, rather than just grab the people that you trust and say it to them, get it off your chest, feel better, and move on. You start running your mouth to all these people within the agency. Well, I think what a lot of us don't understand or, or don't realize is that's part of the test. And you're already setting yourself up for failure for the next time around. Because if you are running your mouth and making a bunch of excuses as to why you didn't get a position or why you were overlooked for something, it gets back. And every single person um, knows about it because it spreads like wildfire. Nobody can keep their mouth shut. And it's, it's setting you up for failure for the next time because I just watched you respond in a negative way to failure and you pretty much solidified the decision that that was made. You were not the right person for the job. You're not the best candidate. Why? Because of the way you handled it. I want the person that said, all right, well, next time I'll, I'll do it. I'll, next time I'll do better. Next time uh, I screwed up this and this, and this is why I didn't get it or whatever. Well, however, the situation dictates. But running your mouth and, and um, talking negative about the people who made the decisions or the people... Um, who got it over you, what's that going to get you? It's going to get you nothing but distrust and shame, more or less. That's the biggest uh, flaw that we have as far as when we fall. Um, and again, like take that, embrace it rather than letting it beat you down. Be like, man, he ain't beating me again or that guy ain't beating me again. I'm going to use that. I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. Every time that I feel as though I don't have enough motivation to keep going or if I'm if I'm looking for a position that involves um, some type of traffic and I know that, you know, um, one of the reasons why I didn't, I didn't get a position is because I wasn't out there hustling or doing my job or investigating things to the fullest, whatever it may be. Every time that I'm out there and I'm tired because I don't feel like doing it anymore, or I'm on hour 12 or whatever, I'm going to remember, hey, I got passed off for this because I let, I, I didn't do, I didn't rise to my level. So I'm going to use that as fuel to push me and to, uh, excel and i don't know if in in your experience if that's if that's worked for you it that's what works for me i take a mental picture of something and we've talked about this like i have a photographic memory so i'll take a mental picture of something that happens put it in my mind and every time that i feel weak or every time i feel like don't going on uh, i don't want to keep going on as far as pushing towards the objective that comes back in my mind and that's what helps me excel and it, again that's me everybody's different right so Maybe you have something else that kept you uh, kept fueling you or uh, enraged you or whatever to keep to keep you pushing on, uh, but you have to find what works for you. Going back to what you said, like with traffic, 
this kind of holds true if, if you're this type of person. You, you have the officer in your department that is mediocre, that does pretty much nothing throughout his or her day at work. They just kind of answer their calls for service. They don't go above and beyond. They don't do anything. They just do what's, um, I don't even want to say ask of them, just whatever they need to do to get by. And then all of a sudden, a position comes up. And that position could be a traffic position, a detective position. In our agency, you had to uh, test for supervisory positions. And then all of a sudden, this officer now becomes super cop. They're out writing tickets. They're out making arrests. They're doing everything above and beyond. Now, this is maybe a month before, excuse me, this is about a month before somebody's going to get picked for the position. And they wonder why they don't get chosen for that position. Essentially, they think the administration's stupid and nobody's watching them. And if you're just going to be the mediocre guy and then all of a sudden a position comes up and you're going to be super cop for 30 days or 45 days, don't expect to get anything. And don't go around badmouthing other people that get things above you and sit there and say they're a kiss ass or they're this or they're that. Um, It's your own damn fault that you don't get the position because you're a mediocre police officer. Now, in our agency, you have to test to become a supervisor. And... I always would get, I'd kind of chuckle when I would watch guys get all like, um, that's what I'm looking for. They get like all secretive and they get all like, I don't know what word I'm thinking of. Competitive? They get, Yeah, they get competitive and they get like real shitty with each other. And I always would say to guys, why do you get so mad at everybody? Well, he's my competition. No, he's not. <laughs> Another officer is not your competition for uh, a uh, supervisory exam position. You're the competition. The questions are the same. The material is the same. It's how much you put into it is how much you're going to get out of it. Now, let me explain something to you. I got hired in 96. I made sergeant in 2008. I made lieutenant in 2015. And I'm going to tell you, I did great on my tests and I did terrible on my tests. One test that came out 18, another test that came out 14, 12. I came out number one. On my sergeant's exam that got me the position, I came out number two or three on my lieutenant's exam that got me, maybe it was four, and then two guys dropped out, which made me number two on my lieutenant's exam. And that was all because of me. When I wanted to become number one for my lieutenant's exam, people laugh at me when I tell them this. I actually studied for two years. I'm the type of learner. This was the sergeant exam or the... Lieutenant's exam. My sergeant's exam. <clears throat> Once the lieutenant's exam came around, I pretty much knew what I was doing as a cop, you know, as a supervisor. But for the sergeant's exam, it's a, it's a big thing and there's a lot to learn. And I can't start studying three months before a test and have all the answers. Like I literally started two years in advance and studied. I do an hour here, an hour there, you know, and then as the test got closer and closer, I would increase my hours. I, I got all the way up to eight hours a day. And as a result of that, I came out number one. Now, I wasn't shunning myself from my friends. You know, some of them are like, oh, well, you're studying too much. Well, guess what? Then don't study. I don't, I don't care what you do. If you want to study for 30 minutes a day and I want to study for eight hours a day, That's on me. And you know what? It paid off for me. My lieutenant's exam, same thing. I didn't start two years. I started a year in advance. You know, I slowly worked my way into it and it paid off for me. The, The point is, if you want to be successful, you're going to have to put in the work. If you want to be successful 
you're going to have to expect failure. And if you want to be successful, stop blaming everybody else for your failures. Go out there and make the change. If you screw up, fix it. If you're no longer interested in it, move on. It's as simple as that. There's no competition out there. You're the only competition. I share the... Um I, sh- I share the same philosophy as you, as you are, or you do with that, um, in in the sense that you're the one that, that has the ability to to market yourself and push you push you up. Again, when you fall down, you're going to be judged on how you get back up, and that's that the ball is in your court on that one. And if if you don't handle that appropriately, why even throw your name in, in the ring more or less? Because you're not gonna you're not gonna get back up. You're not gonna you're not gonna be successful, and you're gonna you're gonna be sitting where you're sitting, and your career is not gonna go the way you want it to go. If you look at the people that are successful in any type of field, it doesn't have to be police uh, police work. They're the ones that are they're humble. They're they recognize and they're not afraid to admit their uh, mistakes. So we have a uh, a rule uh, when we're doing. Uh, tactical operations or whatever uh, after a job or, or something along those lines when we're doing a, a debrief the rule is you have to be honest with each other and it's not to knock anybody down it's not to, so that somebody catches feelings or whatever because our number one priority is safety and we want to make sure that if somebody did something that was in, unsafe or not uh, the best practice for us then we're going to call them out on it and make sure that that never happens again why because I want everybody to come home safe and my point being behind that just like that debrief where we are honest with one another, it's very easy for me to be honest with somebody else, to tell them what their failures are, to tell them what they're lacking. But if I'm not honest with myself and able to look at me and say, you know what, I screwed this up, I made a mistake too, then it's it's all worth crap. And I'll tell you another thing, people, this is one thing that a lot of cops don't understand. A lot of cops believe that they are very intelligent and they are. And I'm, I will never take that away from anyone. They're very, very un- intelligent. And they think that other people aren't as intelligent as they are. And that's where they're wrong. You are smart, but you underestimate the people around you. And you underestimate the ability for them to recognize when you're lying, when you're a fake, and being able to see it right through you. It goes back to what you were saying with the position. Everyone knows that 30 days before the position becomes available, what you're doing. You mm-hmm. think you're smarter than everyone else in the sense of um, that no one else is basically see through that bullshit. That's, that's your job as a police officer to see through the bullshit. And you're trying to, uh, you're trying to get one over on your colleagues and your, your bosses that they can't see through that. It's an insult. So back with the, the honesty aspect of it, if you're getting up there and constantly throwing shade or uh, not being, or being honest with the um, other officers, but not being honest with yourself. They can see that. They know when you're making mistakes and you're not uh, afraid to admit them. So I, I try to make it, I try, um, try to make it a practice of presenting what I failed first. That's what I, I do in like supervisor, supervisor roles because I've never once ever, and I don't ever expect to have done a perfect job. There's always room for improvement for me. Um, and there's, oh, I've always made mistakes on every single job, no matter how big or small they are. Um, and I like to, I like to, sh- uh, exploit them and show them to the, to the rest of the people. And not only that, but that prove that, that shows what kind of a person you are. Um, and to what level your character is, cause you're not afraid to, to say, Hey, this is wrong. This is what I messed up. And then it opens up the floodgates. Oh, well, if he's saying it or she's saying it, well, let me ex- explain mine. And that's how we learn. That's how we grow up. Yeah, I don't understand why people feel as though failure is a bad thing. In my opinion, failure is a great thing because failure makes you learn how not to do something. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
you know, going back to what you were saying with, with the SWAT team, I did the same exact thing. You know, I was fortunate enough <clears throat> that my team commander is is absolutely a cop's cop. Like he's very, very supportive of his people and he's very, very um, hands on, I guess you could say. Like, you know, if you wanted to go into battle with somebody, he's the guy you wanted to go with. And when it came to our SWAT team, he was very, I don't want to say hands off, but he allowed us to make the decisions. And he just sat back and watched. And he saw that when we would fail, we would bring it up before he had to bring it up. And we would sit in our debriefs and, you know, I'd say, you know, as the team leader, I'd say, I did this wrong. You know, I should have never put you in this position or do this or do that, you know, that was my mistake. I shouldn't have done that. And then the next team leader, he would say, you know, you guys did this really good, um, but you should have did it this way. And I probably should have did it this way. And then we would go around Robin. And then when we first started doing this, it was like crickets in the room because nobody wanted to admit a mistake because they're thinking, well, if I admit that I made a mistake, they're not like they want to let me do any of the good jobs on SWAT. They're going to make me sit with the van or mm. uh, load the magazines or do this or do that. But that was the complete opposite with us. You know, when, when a guy or girl, well, we didn't have any girls on the team at the time, would make a mistake, we would use that mistake for training. We would use it for the next job. And as you can see over time, we were making less and less mistakes on each job. So we didn't have to have necessarily always have something negative to talk about on a job. Listen, it's really easy to, to walk up to somebody, pat them on the back and say, hey, you did a really fantastic job. When in reality, they didn't do a fantastic job. But you're trying to make them feel good. But in a SWAT environment or a police environment, it's not about making people feeling good. It's about making people feel safe. and having police officers go home at the end of the day. And we, Matt said this in a, an earlier podcast that there's no one more critical of cops than cops. The ego of some police officers, you know, when you tell them they did something wrong, it's like voodoo to them. Like, how dare you tell me I did something wrong? And like he said, they think they're smarter than the average person or even smarter than you. When in reality, you're on an equal playing field. And <coughs> excuse me. You got that COVID cough going on, man. No, I'm good, man. I had, I had it like 14 <laughs> times already. Um, but I lost my train of thought. But then you got me in COVID mode. <laughs> um, but I, I guess the, the point that I'm trying to make is everybody has to be free to express their faults and the things that they've done wrong. And, and I can tell you from experience, same, I, you know, I would do this on, on the platoon too. We would debrief a job after the job and I, I handled it the same way. And we come to find out we would make less and less mistakes. And then when we did give praise, it meant that much more to people. Learn from your mistakes and try to do it better next time. Listen, sometimes if, if nothing else, fate is going to be the, the driving factor. There might be two very good candidates for a position. You might've done everything right. And it is what it is, how, how things played out. And if that's how it happened, so be it. I had a guy, uh, um, it's a peer, we're both supervisors, and I remember him telling me a story about he he had a, a, a specific position that he wanted, and he was put up against somebody else who he considered of equal talent, more or less, in his mind, and the other person got it. And he knew that that position was pretty much going to be locked up for the next few years. So although that was a goal of his to get that position, it, it fate intervened and it wasn't going to happen. So rather than, I'm going to say, rather than be all boo-boo lipped about it, mm -hmm. he, uh, 
he said, all right, well, I got to take, I got to make a course correction. And he ended up, um, going towards uh, a supervisor role and he tested for supervisor. And that's, that's the path that he took from that point forward. And it, it worked out for him. Yeah. It's kind of comical because getting back to what you were saying about people think they're smarter than you or other people in the room, anybody who's taken any management courses out there, whether it be a command and leadership class or studied for a promotional exam, you've all read the supervision books. And I'm not going to get into transformational leadership and equity and all that other uh, theories and stuff like that. But when you go through these theories, you read one theory and immediately somebody in your department will pop into your mind. Yeah. And you're like, that's that guy. And then, you know, so, oh, that's that one and this one. And, that. and it's it's so comical because every department has it. They have this person. People don't think it exists, but it exists everywhere in law enforcement. And, you know, you, you got the officer who I've been here for 21 years. I haven't done a damn thing. But they should make me a detective. Well, why should we make you a detective? Because I've been here 21 years. You know, he, he just assumes that because he put his time in, he deserves to be a detective. You know, he, he fails to tell you that he got suspended a half a dozen times or he's almost been fired or he's gotten the crashes or he's done this, that and the other thing. But in his mind, I've been here for 21 years. I deserve that position. That's not how the real world works. Maybe in some departments with a good old boy syndrome, it works that way. But in life in general, it doesn't work that way. You get judged based on your performance not well he's a really nice guy let's make him a detective it's uh <laughs> let's see when was the last time you had a covid test uh, <laughs> this is uh that's part of the reason why like a, a two cops from jersey can have a conversation just like we're having right now and it will uh resonate with a cop from the west coast or whatever yeah, california we went to a a training recently um us being from Jersey went to a, a training out in the Midwest and we had 15 guys with us from our agency. And the one instructor was like, he, he literally was just looking and listening for about, I don't know, it was maybe six hours into the, the training. And he's like, this is this guy. Yeah. And he just pinned it. He's like, this is this guy. This is that guy. And he's like, it doesn't matter where you come from. And, and his, um, his pool was from the United States, but he's like, doesn't matter where you come from in the United States. He's like every single department has that officer they have that officer they have that officer so it's it's i don't want to say it's blanket obviously we all have different types of policing and all that and all that sense but for the majority of us it's the same it's the same kind of people and i, I don't want to uh before we wrap this up i don't want to uh make it seem like any one person is smarter than the other what what i mean by that is saying a lot of times the cop that thinks they're the smartest person in the room underestimates the intelligence of all the others. Mm -hmm. That's that's my point that what I'm making with that. Don't underestimate anyone. It no matter who they are, being the newest officer in an apartment all the way up to the most senior. They all have different backgrounds, they all have different life experiences. Never underestimate your fellow uh, officer. Just to wrap things up, embrace the things when you fall and use them to your advantage. Thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of Real Talk. Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs>